From KTOO, I'm Katie Anastas with a look at local and statewide news. Just 33 teams are signed up to run this year's Iditarod. It's the smallest group in the race's history. Mushers say there's a number of factors leading to the tiny pool of competitors. A major one is finances. Alaska Public Media's Lex Trinan reports on the issue and what organizers see as solutions. Outside at his kennel in Knick, Iditarod musher Jason Mackey is assessing his dwindling supply of dog food. His freezer has just a few slabs of frozen salmon. There's a few boxes of frozen ground beef in the snow next to a few frozen whole king salmon. His kibble is almost gone, and he's not looking forward to a trip to the feed store. Not in this economy. 2004, I ran my first Iditarod. We paid $28 a bag for the red paw kibble that we feed today, and today that bag of dog food $68. Mackie is racing the Iditarod this year, but he says it's harder than ever to keep up with costs. Prices on kibble and beef have disproportionately shot up in the last few years, and salmon from the Yukon River have been harder to come by with recent fisheries closures. Mackie says he's been in the sport long enough to learn how to adapt. We go without so the dogs can go with, and that's just the lifestyle. But is that sort of self-sacrifice going to keep attracting mushers to Alaska's iconic thousand-mile sled dog race? The mushing community is divided over just how serious this year's low sign-up is for the future of the Iditarod. Fifteen years ago, nearly 100 mushers lined up for the start, compared to the record low 33 this year. Iditarod CEO Rob Urbach says he's not panicked yet. This year's a little bit of a strange year. We just had a number of people taking time off. We've had a number of people that have timed out. You know, we don't really think it's necessarily a trend. Five-time champion Dallas CV is sitting out this year's race to spend time with family, as are mushers Aaron Burmeister and former champion Yoar Olsum. There's also an older generation of mushers stepping away this year, like Jeff King, Martin Boozer, and Ali Zirkel. While CEO Urbach is hopeful for the race's future, he still says this year's low turnout is a wake-up call, and the Iditarod organization has some ideas for developing the next generation of mushers. He says the Iditarod plans to start a shorter race for younger mushers that starts at the same time as the 1,000-miler, and to help with costs, it's looking into organizing food buying co-ops to help mushers save a few bucks on their kibble. Three-time race champion Mitch Seavey is sitting out this year's race to let his body recover, but he thinks the organization should be doing more. You know, it's no secret the Iditarod has a $4 million budget. It makes me wonder why the, the purse isn't bigger and why the mushers aren't being supported. CV thinks the Iditarod should host monthly races to keep enthusiasm for the sport high throughout the winter and do more to grow the fan base. He also says increasing the prize purse would help, something last year's third place finisher Jesse Holmes agrees with. It gives more opportunity for, you know, a professional musher to go out and race for purse money, which is huge. Holmes says that top mushers like himself will plan out their race seasons based on prize money. The Iditarod's total prize purse divided among finishers has held steady at about 500000 since 2018. It's about half of what it was 15 years ago, even without accounting for significant inflation. Urbach, the CEO, says the Iditarod hopes to boost the purse, but attracting new sponsors has been difficult. Several large corporate sponsors have pulled out in the last decade, some after they were pressured by animal rights groups who believe long-distance dog sled racing amounts to animal abuse. 
On top of that, the organization is dealing with its own cost increases. Inflation disproportionately hit us. You know, our supply chain costs have gone up 30 percent over the last 18 months, so it's pretty significant for us as well. One potential solution to help keep the Iditarod viable, he says, is state funding. He says he's in discussions with the state legislature to step in and help support the race financially and keep Alaska's state sports strong. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Lex Trinan. Officials with the union representing Matsu Borough School District bus drivers say they've reached a tentative agreement with the operator of the buses, potentially bringing an end to a month-long strike. At the start of the year, contract negotiations soured between Teamsters Local 959, the union for Matsu bus drivers, and Durham School Services, the operator of the buses. That led to a strike starting at the end of January leaving between 6,000 to 7,000 of the district's students without bus service. The Matsu Borough School District is the second largest district in Alaska. In a Facebook post last night, the union announced that after six hours of negotiating, they'd reached a tentative agreement with Durham earlier that afternoon. Union members are set to vote on the tentative agreement over the weekend. If it's approved, striking school bus drivers would return to work as soon as Monday. During the strike, district officials say 2% of students have been absent, and the district has seen six to seven students a day transferring out of a Matsu school. Discussions on slugs and mushrooms abounded in Petersburg last weekend. For the first time in four years, a group of farmers, scientists, and entrepreneurs gathered in person for the Southeast Alaska Farmers Summit. Every other year, a different community hosts the event. KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports. Dozens of people from all over the United States crowd the aisles of the Petersburg Lutheran Church. Countless others attend virtually on Zoom. They've come to share resources and best practices on farming in the cold, rainy climate of Southeast Alaska. Rain-loving slugs are especially challenging for regional growers. Casey Reichardt is a researcher from Oregon State University. His Friday slug identification workshop brought in a huge crowd. I recently found out that slug slime is a liquid crystal, and so is human mucus. And my next thought was, what then is a booger? <laughs> the Southeast Alaska Farmers Summit has grown a lot since it began in Petersburg in 2015. That first year, it was a two-day event with only about 35 participants. Now, there's about 100 people attending in person. Jonathan Rubo and Lucetto Hagen are two of them. It was their first time in Petersburg. Rubo says the gathering presented him with a lot of food for thought on composting. So my big challenge is, is tapping into the waste stream as a resource to provide for farmers and growers. And so... You know, trying to divert that waste from the landfills, transfer stations, and make that available for locals. O'Hagan works as a commercial lender, but aspires to become a farmer herself. She says she learned about how challenging it is for Southeast Alaska farmers to secure the funds to build their business. And from the family farm perspective, it's probably financing streams. So just letting people know that credit unions are available to help them with financing needs. Uyanga Angie Mendbayar traveled to Petersburg from Juneau for the conference. She stayed in one of the cannery bunkhouses for the weekend. It was an affordable option for some of the participants. 
I guess I'm just getting a first-hand rural Alaska experience. Yeah. yeah. I like for two nights I couldn't yeah. get good sleep because there's no heat. Mendbyar came for the mushrooms. She has her own startup for mushroom products and gave a presentation on a recent USDA mushroom study. Yeah, I had a little mushroom farm, but my cultivator is moving out of state. So um, my goal is how can I bring more access to these local foods? And can I make them into something that they can eat? Or I make uh, reishi treats and reishi rooibos drinks and like just being creative with what I can make with small farm products. For over a decade, Men Bayar has worked in environmental research and activism. She's interested in replacing single-use packaging and other types of plastic waste with biodegradable materials derived from mushrooms. She says Southeast Alaska is a particularly exciting place to explore these ideas. You know, all these trees and forests we see, we live in a fungal heaven. Their roots are connected with mycelium through mycorrhizal network. We don't see them in our eyes, but it's everywhere. The spores are in the air, you know, the roots are connecting underneath us. So when you walk into the forest, it feels you through their like nervous system, which is fungus. And mushroom gives me hope. The Southeast Alaska Farmer Summit was funded by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and dozens of regional nonprofits. The next summit won't be held for at least another year. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. And now for a look at local weather. It's 32 degrees at the Juneau International Airport. Tonight will be partly cloudy with a low around 23, north wind 25 to 35 miles per hour. Tomorrow should be sunny with a high near 33. Tomorrow night, mostly clear with a low around 20. Sunday should be sunny with a high near 23 degrees. Northeast wind 25 to 30 miles per hour. And Monday should be sunny with a high near 20.